<laughs> I was kind of boy crazy when I was a little girl. I remember when the Karate Kid came out and Ralph Macchio was like my super crush. And I had an orange trapper keeper and I would write his name over and over. I mean, I must have written Ralph Macchio, Heidi Macchio, like 2000 times on this orange trapper keeper. And then for a while it was Kirk Cameron when Growing Pains were on and I would have a big poster of Kirk Cameron in my room and I would kiss that poster every night before I would go to bed. I believed in love. I would fantasize all the time about the day when I was going to meet my true love, have true love's kiss, and live happily ever after. How about you? When you were a little girl or a little boy, what was your belief in love like? I think for some of us, <clears throat> that particularly those of us who have grown up in a tough background, you know, challenging background, difficult parenting, uh, even though we didn't have the best example at home or didn't really get the love that we really felt like we wanted, we projected that love out into the future and would fantasize about the one day when the knight on the white horse would come in and rescue us and make it all better. I know I did that for a long time. But then over time, when I became an adult, something happened. My belief in love started to fade. And I would meet men that wouldn't love me the way that I would love them, or they wouldn't be faithful, and so on and so on. And I started to experience some of the old familiar feelings that I felt in childhood, like rejection, or abandonment, or pain, or confusion. And I thought, well, hmm. I guess love isn't what I thought it was uh, going to be. I guess maybe it's just not possible. And my belief in love started to fade. How about you? Maybe as you got into your relationship, you started off super strong. Man, yes, it's the fairy tale. It's happily ever after. And then you realize, uh-oh, this person's an alcoholic or an addict or narcissistic or not firing all, all cylinders. And you started your hope and your belief in love started to fade over time as well. And some somewhere we lost it. And maybe some of us even did this thing called splitting, where we still believe love is possible because we see it in evidence of other people in having relationships, and we still hold out that hope for it. But the belief goes, love is possible, but it's just not possible for me. Now, how does that happen? How do we get there to that point where we think love is out there, but it's just not for me? I guess I'm not picked. I'm not the one that gets to experience what it's like to have a mutually beneficial relationship where somebody loves me consistently all the time. I don't have to wonder and guess how they're feeling about me from one minute to the next. I don't have to dance and perform like a circus monkey in order to get this person's attention or validation or appreciation or approval. What would that be like just to be loved just for being you? Not to have to earn your way into love or give, give, give in order for somebody to see you and appreciate you and respect you and pick you. What would it be like just to be loved for you. And when I say that, that's when you can start to realize the internal conflict that starts to rise up. Oh, gee, because you might be saying that sounds great, but I just don't think that's real. I just don't think that's possible. Or scratch your head. I wonder how that could happen for me. So you've split. Love is possible, but just not possible for me. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I really believe is the secret to restoring your faith in love, your belief in love, and being able to attract the kind of relationships that you really deserve in your life. And it is this. Belief in love is actually a belief in self. 
Now, this is a very interesting concept. How is a belief in love actually a belief in self? Because you might be saying, I believe in myself. I'm very successful, Heidi. I've accomplished a lot in my life. I've, I've overcome so much, especially in my area of work. I'm super successful in what I do. I make a lot of money. I'm very well respected. My friendships are great. I have friends that love me. I've had long standing relationships where we're really together and we've had no real conflict. Everybody loves me. It's just in this one area of love where everything seems to fall to shit. So I don't really know where that disconnect is because I believe in myself. It's just that love doesn't work out for me. But that's the split. The split is I can be super successful over here and very smart about my life, but yet over here be failing and feel really dumb. And how do you feel so smart and so dumb? It's splitting. It's your belief in yourself has split. So let's riff on this for a little bit and talk about how this might have happened and what we can do to repair it moving forward. When I was a little girl, like I told you, I was super boy crazy, but I also believed I had superpowers. That was the second part. And outside of my house, there was this tree that had the perfect branch for an invisible jet. And I would sit up in that tree for hours and hours upon end. And I would imagine all my superpowers and all the things I could do if I, as Wonder Woman. And I would think, oh, it'd be so cool to have that lasso of truth and be able to get people to tell me the truth about things and, oh, to be bulletproof and somebody could throw throw something at me and I ding, and I would just like bing, get rid of it, you know, be bulletproof and have super strength, the strength of 10,000 men. And I would just sit out there for hours and hours and hours and just imagine all my superpowers. And then I'd go home and I'd go from this super powered little girl, five or six years old out in my big tree in my backyard. And I'd go home and, and, and go from thinking about all the things I thought I was to who the hell do you think you are? And I suffered a lot of verbal abuse and physical abuse in my childhood, but the verbal abuse, I think, left a lasting scar, even worse than the physical abuse. I mean, I don't mean to um, pick and choose what hurts worse. It all hurts. It's all terrible. And forgive me if you're, you're, you're want to say, well, my, this hurt me or that hurt me. It's really not a contest. I'm just sharing my personal perspective. I was told as a little girl over and over again that I wasn't that great, that I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't worthy, worthy or worth it uh, many times over. And, you know, I'm not here to place blame. I'm not here to say, to villainize people and, and make, make a nemesis. What I'm saying to you is that our life experiences with the people around us who've shaped us and told us who we are are the things that we internalize and take with us later on. And then we wonder why well, I had an okay childhood or I got out or I survived, but yet why do I still suck at love? Why do I still have this hang up in relationships? And this is why, because that stuff gets internalized. And even though you escaped and got out, you still have shrapnel that's writing a storyline in your mind, preventing you from living into your happily ever after. So I would come home and I, my head would be filled with all the things I wasn't and how terrible of a person I was. And I'd be covered in shame and doubt. And sometimes 
I'd, I'd, I'd get a reprieve because there'd be one person in my life who would just believe in me and see something in me, just like I would see in myself in that tree. I'd go to school. And the first person I had that experience with, with was Mrs. Marquis. She was my, I think my kindergarten or first grade teacher. And I have to tell you, this is a woman that had the patience of a saint. I mean, she would love these, all the kids, including me, no matter what, I would just show up and be precious to her. And she was so kind all the time. And I thought, well, I guess love can be kind all the time. I guess love can be consistent. And she would look at me like I was precious and she would think that I was really sweet. And then I, you know, or interesting or funny. And then I would go home and be told I was annoying or too much or um, trouble or a problem. Or if I just was in the space because a, you know, parent that really struggles with overwhelm and, and depression or anxiety or any kind of illness that we can experience or addiction or what have you, you get the message. You got to walk on eggshells and tiptoe because love is very conditional in that type of environment. But then I go to school and have this contract, contrast. And then I remember in sixth grade, Mr. Message. And Mr. Message really poured into my mind how smart I th he thought I was. And he would tell me, you're so smart. You know, you have all this potential. Wow, you're special. You're, you're interesting. You're different. You know, all these wonderful things. And I would think, wow, I guess I am. And he really poured into me. And I received that message from Mr. Message. But then I'd go home. And I'd hear, you're dumb. You're not smart. Who the hell do you think you are? You're not as smart as you think you are. Don't be such a smart mouth. Don't have an opinion. Don't sit. Now, I was always a brave girl and I would do that at school. You know, I'd let that part of myself out, but I'd come home and the eggshell started again. So I had this splitting. I want you to start to think about how you might have had a, a differing concept where you could have conflated love. Over here, you experience, and it's kind of nice and wonderful, and then, but over here, it's not. And so the conflict inside becomes, well, love is available, but I guess I'm just not, it's not for me. I, love is available sometimes, but not all the time for me, right? And so we, we settle in to this construct, this pattern, and that becomes the trauma, the great trauma of your life is the lie that you believe that love is here, but it's really just not for you. That love is available sometimes, but not all the time. That love is a, love is uh, great sometimes and wonderful, but it's also pain sometimes. Love is all or nothing. And you live in that very black and white world. And then the trauma ends. We leave the house. We move on. And we can say, okay, thank God I got out of that. I survived. But then we get into these relationships with people who mimic and mirror that exact same dynamic. Sometimes they love us and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're here for us and sometimes they abandon. Sometimes they're approving of us and sometimes they're condemning and critical. And we, we continue to relive that trauma in our own minds because we have now created a trauma bond. And we don't even realize that we're still attached to that initial way we experience love. And although we're not at the hands of the people who did it, we become the hands. We are the ones reenacting that trauma over and over and over and over again. And so how do you stop that? How do you break free, break the chains of that trauma once and for all? Well, the first thing, like I said, is recognizing and acknowledge that it actually happened. 
so many people are in denial, especially um, people who grew up in abusive homes that don't even call it abusive. They just say, well, I got spanked a lot or I got hit a lot or my parents were really tough on me or they were verbally abusive. But, you know, I wouldn't call they wouldn't say abusive. They'll say, oh, they kind of call me names sometimes or they weren't that nice, you know, or that kind or it was tough or, you know, everything was great except dad would drink every night. But, hey, you know, and, and we 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 don't recognize the impact. And and I know that it's hard to do because especially if you had a parent that was toxic or dysfunctional and there was gaslighting in the house and they would be hurting you and they'd go, that didn't hurt you. It wasn't that bad. You're living in the past. Come on. That was like last week. It's today. Like get over it already. And if you've attempted as an adult to go back in and talk to that parent or, or even talk about how your childhood might've affected your current relationships, you get the answer. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Come on. That was, that's so, that's so stupid. Like that's over, like grow the fuck up. I know you've heard that before, even if you've attempted with a narcissistic or toxic parent to go back in and revisit it. And so they're not going to acknowledge it. And it's not about them getting it. Nothing you're doing in your adult life is about mommy or daddy getting the hurt they inflicted on you. It's about you getting it. And the area that it, that impacts you the most is not in money, is not in success, because that's easy to do. Although it does impact you there too, you'll reach a ceiling. You only let yourself have so much money. You only let yourself have so much success. And then you kind of, like I've had doctors in my programs and, and retreats that are super successful, but they could break the ceiling to multi-million dollar practices. But there's, and it's, you know what it is? It's that old splitting belief. I can get so far, but not all the way. Like at school, I can get so far and have all the love, but at home, not so much, right? It's like, we just always are kind of governing ourselves back down to this, like, who the hell do you think you are status? And in relationships, it's one area. So it's not about them getting it. It's not about placing blame and them understanding what they put you through. It's, it's no, it's about you getting it and you understanding it so you can break that pattern because the trauma wasn't created by you, but it definitely is your responsibility to break that cycle for good. So how do you do that? There's one way home and it's to trade the trauma for the truth. The trauma are all the lies that we believe about love as uh, a way that we have internalized the things that have happened to us and they have created this internal shame and it's toxic shame and it lives in us and it's created ideas about love and relationships, ideas about how much good we can have in our lives. I tell my clients and students every single day, it's not about how bad can you let it get. You're an expert at putting up with shit. You know how to take a lick in and keep on ticking. You know how to get knocked down and get back up. It's not about how bad can you let it get or how much can you withstand. It's how good can you let it get. How much good can you let in your life? How much love can you let rain down on you? How much money can you allow in your life? How much uh, amazing experiences can you let in your life? Because every time that something good happens for an adult child of an alcoholic or dysfunctional parent, we're waiting for that other shoe to drop. And you don't even realize the ways in which you're sabotaging, there's a spider web, yourself. Let me help you. Trade the trauma for the truth. Trauma says I'm incapable. Trauma says I'm capable and incapable. Trauma says I'm strong, but I'm weak. Trauma says I, I'm success, but I'm a failure. Trauma says all or nothing, black or white. The truth says, what are you doing right now? You are here with me 
we're spending some time together. You're listening or watching to this little sermon today on belief in love. And why are you doing that? Because the truth says you're a seeker. The truth says you still want answers to how to rectify this and resolve it once and for all in your life. The truth says that you are a survivor and an overcomer. The truth says you're the one that seeks out your own well-being. The truth says you're here for it. You're watching a video or listening to a message about how to believe in love again. And what does that tell me? You still do. So all we need to do is resolve those lies that were instilled by that trauma once upon a time so that you can live your happily even after. If you're interested in doing that and you want me to come alongside of you and pour into you and help you reprogram your mind and rid yourself of the lies that you've believed about yourself and your ability to have love in your life, then go over to HeidiRain.com and schedule a private complimentary consultation. I look forward to seeing you soon. I love you so much and take excellent care of yourself. Until the next time, bye-bye.